Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, I want to welcome all of you at all of our churches as we're beginning a brand new uh, four or five week series entitled The Grass is Always Greener. And um, if you're a first time guest here, we are so glad that you're here today. This is a great day for you to be with us as we really begin a series that is going to help all of us understand that no matter what's going on around us, you really can have a solid, solid rock in Jesus Christ. And so this is a great Sunday for all of you to be with us, whether you've been at RCC for a um, hundred times or a thousand times, or whether you've been here for like, this is your first Sunday. Because one of the things that we really are understanding in the world in which we live is there are all kind of shaky circumstances and situations that are going around us. And right now, if there's anything that we need, it's what we sang about, that we understand that our solid rock is truly Jesus Christ. So um, take out your um, talk notes out of your worship guide that you received when you came in today. And uh, let's begin this series by uh, finishing a a sentence. And we're going to put this uh, beginning of the sentence up here. How would you finish this sentence? The grass is always greener. Over the septic tank? No, none of you said that, right? Uh, This is what most of you said. You said the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. That's what we say most of the time, right? And we all kind of feel that way at times, don't we? Uh, And just, in fact, one of the things that I know is when I say that we all feel that kind of way, I'm not just talking about this tension of you being or feeling like you're surrounded by people or neighbors who have their yards professionally seated or manicured and, and you can't afford that or you can't do that. No, what we're talking about when we talk about this tension of the grass always being greener on the other side of the fence is a much greater tension that we feel spiritually and emotionally and even relationally in our lives. And it makes us very unsettled and unstable in our lives. And so we're talking about the tension of what if, what if I had, or or what if this, or what about that, those kind of things. In other words, what if I could have this? In other words, I'm happy with what I have. I'm grateful for what I have, but then I see someone who's better at something than I am or has something better than I have. And I'm tempted to look over the fence and I'm tempted to think, well, what if I had that? Or what if I owned that? Or what if I was there? Or what if our situation was better? Or what if our situation felt more secure? See, we all know that tension that feels like something catches your eye and something catches your glaze, and then suddenly you're less content with your life and what you have in life, and you find yourself literally peering over the fence, figuratively speaking, and focusing on somebody else's yard, literally someone else's life and what they have. Now, here's how you know what your greener grass tension, one area of where it might be. Let's uh, fill in this blank. As soon as I get, you fill in that blank because I think most of us probably even said that sometime this week. As soon as I get, then I'll have what I want. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how great your life is. I bet you have an answer for this blank. As soon as I get whatever that blank is, then I'll have what I want. Literally, for some of you, your answer was, as soon as I get out of debt, or some of you, as soon as I get a boat, or some of you, as soon as I graduate, or some of you, as soon as I get this job that I'm after, or some of you, as soon as I get those new shoes that are the new things. I just got the other shoes that were the new thing, and now there's a new set of shoes out here that are the new thing, right? Or as soon as I get invited to be a part of this group, or as soon as I get invited to be part of this party that they're having, or as soon as... As soon as I get that problem behind us, 
You know, we've all kind of said that as, as soon as we could get things maybe back to normal, whatever that is, or maybe yours is as soon as I can get a certain amount of social media followers, or as soon as your kids become popular at school, or some of you, as soon as I can get married or remarried, or some of you unmarried, you know, that kind of thing, as soon as I can get that first house, you know, as soon as I can have kids, and then it's like, as soon as I'm empty nesters, and as soon as we can get the house fixed up because the kids are out, we're empty nesters, you know, that it's that as soon as, as soon as as soon as. That's, that's how we do our life. It always feels like we're building our lives on sinking sand or shifting sand. But here's what we all know from experience, that getting what we want, you know, just because you fill in the blank and you get that one thing and then you get what you want, you, you know, it doesn't keep us from wanting more, right? There's always another as soon as, as I can have that. And the question is, why is that? Well, what makes us keep just wanting more? Because we all understand when we really stop and think about it, it's not really logical. Matter of fact, for many of you, you are happy in your life at a season when you have less than what you have now. But too many of you, you're kind of like me. You kind of get caught up in this, what if I had, or as soon as I could get this kind of game. I mean, my thing is, my wife says, you know, every time there's another grill that comes out, you're thinking, how can you get rid of one grill? No, you don't even think about how you can get rid of one grill, Paul. You just want to add your collection of grills, right? Like, why can't we just be content and happy with the four grills that we have at our house? Like, why is that? See, the short answer is this. Comparison. See, your grass may be green, but you can see the grass on the other side and it looks so much greener. And suddenly you stop and you think and you find yourself thinking, well, I thought I was happy, but you know what? They look happier than me. Or I thought life was good, but their life looks so much better than mine. And so instead of focusing on what we have, we absolutely become obsessed with what we don't have. And I'm telling you, if you really stop and think about it, that is true. This comparison thing is true for every area of your life. Let me show you just a little bit how that works by just asking you to think about your own life. If I ask you to rate your life, or to let's say rate your looks on a scale, right? of one to 10, rate your looks on a scale of one to 10, what number would you choose? Everybody think about it, don't say it out loud, right? But if I ask you to rate your looks on a scale of one to 10, what, what number would you choose? And here's the thing, it all depends on who you compare yourself to. Like you might go to the gym one day and you look around and go, this is no judgment zone, but bottom line, I'm an eight, everybody else got some work to do, right? Or you might show up the next day and there's somebody who's just really been buffed and worked out and all that, and you're like, I'm a four, right? See, it all depends on who you compare yourself to, how you feel about yourself to a large degree. I mean, the same thing about your work or the car that you drive or the home that you live in. I mean, it's the same for our relationships. See, what happens is our happiness isn't based on how green our grass is most of the time. Our contentment, our gratitude is not based on that. For most of us, it's based on how green the grass, our grass is compared to somebody else's grass over the fence. So here's the thing. 
comparison, it always is destructive because comparison, it makes false promises. See, whenever we compare, we tell ourselves that, oh, I'm just, I, I, there's nothing really wrong with it. I'm just kind of curious or I'm just looking around to kind of see how I can grow and how I can learn. But the truth is, comparison, what it does is it just makes us miserable. And it makes our life feel like it's built on sinking sand and there's nothing solid about our life. In fact, one of the things it does is it makes us turn inward and wish we had more. And then we lash out at other people instead of helping us become better and more fulfilled people. What comparison does, it turns us into these unhappy, these emptier people. And the problem for all of us is it's just so much easier right now than ever to compare. In other words, we used to have to leave our yard or drive down the road in our car to look at somebody else's yard and, you know, to see what somebody else had, that kind of thing. But now, guess what? You can just sit in your house. You can even lay on your couch with your phone in your hand, and you can be bombarded with all kinds of images and messages that invite you, and some organizations or companies even profit off your comparing yourself to others because you go, oh, I need that, and then you go buy that. And here's the thing, you're all smart people, so you know the trouble this creates for all of us. I mean, it creates a lot of trouble. In fact, at the end of the day, I'm gonna give you an opportunity and show you how you can understand how much trouble comparison creates for us and how it keeps us from feeling like our lives are built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So for the next few weeks, we're gonna dig to the bottom of this tension. And the simple answer, I mean, you could just do this in one series or one sermon instead of over four or five weeks. And you could just say, you guys just need to be more content. Just need to be more grateful for what you have. But you know that doesn't actually solve the problem, does it? It's just not that simple. I mean, you can be content and you can be grateful right now, but an hour from now, you hear about an opportunity that somebody else got that you wanted and you find yourself right back to peering over that fence again. So the question that we wanna answer is, how do you beat that? Like if happiness and contentment and joy and fulfillment and gratitude isn't found or hidden in the next adventure or the next upgrade or the next purchase or the next achievement, if it's not over the fence, where is it? Where is it? Well, the good news is the Apostle Paul, he talks about this tension in a letter that he wrote to some Christ followers in Philippi. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you at all of our churches to take them out and let's go to Philippians chapter four. That's where we're gonna be. And here's the thing, what gives these words special weight that the Apostle Paul is writing is the fact that he wrote these words from a prison cell. He wrote them from a prison cell. So this is not a high point in the Apostle Paul's life. In fact, if he had windows in his prison cell, he could look out any window and find greener grass. I mean, anybody's life at this point in time would be better than the Apostle Paul's sitting in the prison cell. But you know what? That did not cause him to fall into the comparison trap. Instead, I want you to notice what he did. And he tells us this in Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So the Christ followers in Philippi, they heard that the apostle Paul was in prison. 
And then when they finally got the opportunity, they sent some support. And that's very important because that's how a person survived if they were in prison in that day. It was only if you sent them food or support for them to be able to get any food. So it was like a big deal. And the Apostle Paul is certainly appreciative. In fact, he encur- he's encouraged by it. He tells them that. Indeed, you, you were concerned for me, but you had an opportunity to show it, show it. So he says, I greatly rejoice that you were able to do this now. But then he tells them this in verse 11. Notice what he says. I'm not saying this because I am in need. And we would all read this, understanding the background I just gave you, and think, yeah, you were in need. You're in prison. You're in major need. You, you have no other way to get any food. You didn't have no other way to take care of yourself. Then if somebody on the outside takes care of you. But the Apostle Paul didn't see it that way because the Apostle Paul didn't play this what if game. What if I had or what if my situations were different? No, no. When you look around and you compare, here's what you'll understand. You will always have a need. Don't miss what I just said. If you look around and you compare, you will always have a need. See, when you compare you're always losing to somebody else. That is a terrible way to live. When you compare, you're always losing to somebody else. You're always missing something. There's always greener grass over the fence. But the Apostle Paul, he is sitting in this prison cell and he's saying, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He's not feeling that. He wasn't sitting in this prison cell going, as soon as I get my freedom back, then I'll have what I want that I'll know that God is with me, that I'll know that my life is on solid ground. No, no, no. Here's how he viewed it. Back to verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. And I want you to notice specifically this word learned. The word learned, it implies that it took some time. Learned means that it required some effort. Learn means that there was some intentionality behind it, but learn means also that any of us can figure this out. Any of us can learn this. And I don't want you to miss this. You are not born content. It's something that you have to learn. My wife and I just experienced the joy of having our first grandchild. She's uh, 13 months old. And I can just go ahead and tell you, she was not born content. You give her one thing, and five seconds later, she wants another thing. You give her another thing, and five seconds later, she wants another thing, right? Now, you know what's interesting? That's not just true about her. That is true about any child that's born in this world. I mean, it's like very, this, very early on, we become start, start being discontent with what we have, right? We're looking for another thing. That's not just true about children. It's true for us as adults. We're always looking for that next thing. You don't come into this world with knowing how to be content. You learn contentment. And according to the Apostle Paul, he says, you can learn to be content whatever the circumstance. Don't miss that. He said, you can learn to be content whatever the circumstance. Now that's so important because so many of us, we think if we had more If our life was better, if our spouse was different, if we had a different job, I mean, if we were in a different school, if we had different friends, if we had, you know, whatever's different, if we had a different house, if we lived in a different neighborhood and a different community, then my life would be so much better. And the Apostle Paul says, no, 
I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. In other words, let me give you a little another um, scenario to think about for just a moment. I want you to think for just a moment about every area of your life. I want you to rate every area of your life on a scale of one, one being the lowest and 10 being the best, okay? Just for just a moment, just think quickly through your life. What's your life like in every area? One to 10. Don't need to say anything out loud. Just kind of think in your head for just a moment. What's your life like on a scale of one to 10 in every area of your life? One being worse, 10 being the best. Now, here's what I want to say. If you're at one of our churches today and you rated every area of your life and every one of them came up a one, do you know what the Apostle Paul is saying? You can still be content. He's literally saying, if your life is a one in every area, if everybody else's grass is greener than yours, he says, you can still be at peace and you can still have contentment. You can still be filled with joy. Now, before you push back on that as, and dismiss that as some kind of fairy tale religious kind of talk, remember that the Apostle Paul, he is sitting in a prison cell and he's writing this. He's dirty, he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's lonely, he's in real danger. So he's not talking theory here. His life, according to anyone else's scale, based on what he was experiencing, would have been a one. It's as bad as you can get. Think about that. Yet he learned to be content whatever the circumstance. He learned how to avoid this comparison trap so that he is experiencing joy and peace and gratitude. Matter of fact, since he, I think the Apostle Paul knew that most people would kind of push back on this, he gives us some more details in verse 12. Notice verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, he says, I've been on both sides of this fence. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, if you know what it is to have plenty right now in this season of your life, you're doing right well right now. He says, I get why it's hard to be content because he says, I've been there. I know what it is to have plenty. And you know why it's hard to be content when you have plenty? Because you have options. You have options that other people don't have. In other words, you have financial margin that allows you to pursue, pursue things that other people can't pursue or ever, never or even dreamed of pursuing. You have possibly time margin that allows you to dream and experience entertainment or trips or other possibilities that other people, they're not options even for other people. Like when you have plenty, the pull for more, it actually gets stronger. So the next thing that, that next more, I mean, it's just right there. You just have to buy it. So you have more, you have plenty. So therefore you can make your grass a little greener. So the oftentimes the temptation is to chase it. But then the apostle Paul says, not only do I know what it is to have plenty, but he says, I know what it is to be in need. In other words, if you are doing life right now and you've only got a little and you're just scraping by, he goes, I get that. The Apostle Paul goes, I've been there too. I know what it's like to feel and kind of maybe worry about how you're going to put food in your mouth each day, or I know the, in our terminology, I know the pressure of living paycheck to paycheck and wondering if we're going to make ends meet for another week. I know how unhappy and how discontent you can get with life. In other words, I know the pull of being jealous of what other people have and the frustration of feeling like that I never got a fair shot in life and other people got all the breaks. In other words, Apostle Paul says, listen, I have lived on both sides of the fence in need and with plenty. 
So he says, I want you to know no matter where you fall, the grass always still looks greener on the other side if you fall into the comparison trap. But here's what he learns, the next part of the verse. He says, I have learned the secret of being content. Don't miss this. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I just love the Apostle Paul's honesty when he talks about this because he acknowledges that contentment. He's saying literally to us, contentment is not easy. Like you can't just flip a switch and suddenly be grateful and stop comparing. He says, no, there is a secret to being content. So the Apostle Paul says, I've learned it. It took me a long time. It was a secret that I had to just continue to lean into. But he says, I've learned the secret to staying content in any and every situation. And that's so important because so many people, they, they live in this world where they think, well, if God was for me, if God cared about me, if Jesus was my solid rock, then my life would be good. I've learned the, you know, and, and it's so amazing how fragile our lives can become. In fact, I had this lady make this statement to me this week and she said, I basically said, you know, how are you doing? And she goes, I, I'm just so worried. She said, I think Christmas is going to be horrible. And I'm like, why? She said, because all the Christmas presents are stuck on those boats out in the Gulf waiting to be unloaded or in the ocean waiting to be unloaded. I'm thinking, wow, you need to get a life, lady. You know what I mean? It's like, then I'm thinking, you need to come. And I did. I said, uh, well, I'm sorry to hear you feel that way. Well, you need to make sure you hear Sunday's talk. Because he's saying, listen, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. I've learned how to be happy with my own grass and not compare it to the grass that somebody else might have in their yard. I've learned how to live with contentment and that it's not based on circumstances or it's not based on situations. The Apostle Paul says, there's a secret and I have discovered it. Now think about this. This has probably been your experience. You've watched certain people exhibit contentment in very difficult situations, in very what look like unstable situations to us, situations that look like the most discontent of circumstances. And you thought, how in the world are they doing that? What is their secret to their gratitude and their joy and their contentment? Well, the Apostle Paul would say to you and to me, he says, there's a secret, and it's not easy to learn. It's not simple to live. But he says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can learn this secret, and you don't have to do it on your own. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, some of you are really confused about this verse right now because you thought this was a verse that you were supposed to use at a ball game to win the ball game that if you put it on a card or a poster and held it up, that God would help you win a ball game. And God says, no, 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 it's not that. Some of you, you thought it was like a magic pass. Like if you prayed this prayer, God, you promised I can do all things through you who gives me strength because you memorize this verse. It's the only verse that you memorize because you never studied for a test, but you memorize this verse and God is supposed to help you pull off that test. No, no, no. The apostle Paul says, no, this verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is so much bigger than that. The Apostle Paul is saying, I did not write this verse to inspire you to try to achieve some kind of goal. He says, no, I wrote this verse to help you understand or inspire you to learn the secret of being content when you have plenty and when you don't have plenty. 
It doesn't matter if you have a little or a lot. He says, I can do all this. I can live through all these circumstances. I can live through all these situations through Christ who gives me strength. You don't have to get caught in the trap of comparing yourself to the people around you. You don't have to just chase that more and a little bit more, always looking for that thing that is out there that you think will make you happy. See, please don't miss this. The apostle Paul is saying, Contentment does not come from what you have. It comes from what you have been given and who has given it to you. And that's the person of Jesus. And let me just say something. If you're with us today and you're not a Christ follower, I hope what we say next is enough of a reason for you to think about just really experiencing a relationship with Jesus Christ because what the Apostle Paul learned, this is the secret, part of the secret, and they're gonna unpack it for the next few weeks. What the Apostle Paul learned and what the Apostle Paul had experienced firsthand was that everything that he wanted, everything that you want in your life, inner strength, inner peace, courage, purpose, hope, it was given to him by God through Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. It was given to him by God through Jesus Christ. And here is what the Apostle Paul is saying to all of us. God offers the same contentment to you and to me that he offered to the Philippians. So there's no room, he says, for any kind of comparison in your life. I can't look at my neighbor and say, well, God gave them more Jesus than me. That's why they're content and I'm not. No, no, the apostle Paul is saying, no, I can do all things through Christ. You can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We all have the same access to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Therefore, we all have the same access to the strength through Christ to have contentment in every situation. And you know what that really means when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? It means this. That if my life is built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ and I'm looking to him for my strength and my purpose and my hope and my peace, it means that you can walk into that job every morning that you dread, that work that seems so meaningless, the people around you in that workplace that seem not to care, that environment that you believe is so unhealthy and you can live in that, you can work in that middle of all that unhappy And here's the reality. You can sit in that circumstance every day and enjoy the peace and the contentment of Christ. That's what he's saying. And see, we all believe, no, I gotta have a different job. I gotta be around different people. And the apostle Paul says, no, no, no. I've learned. I've learned the secret of being content when I've had need and when I've had plenty. And I can do that through Christ who gives me strength. It means when you look in the mirror in the morning and you start hearing those voices that start telling you, you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're never gonna make it, you're never gonna be this, you're never gonna be that. He's saying, you don't have to listen to those voices. You can believe the truth about what God has done for you and that God is doing in you and you can let go of those lies because you can do all those things that God called you to do through Christ who gives you strength. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot more to this secret that we wanna talk about, but today we just wanna give you the foundation that, hey, we all have access to being able to be content, to have gratitude and joy in the middle of all our circumstances through Christ who gives us strength. But there's so much more, and we're gonna unpack it for the next three or four weeks, but for you to understand the secret, you're gonna have to show back up next week because you gotta learn to be content. It's the reason we're making you wait. No, I'm teasing. The reason that we're making you wait 
is because before this secret can help you, you really have to be aware of what this grass is greener on the other side of the fence mentality is doing to you emotionally, spiritually, and even relationally. So in the last few minutes, what I wanna do is I just wanna ask you some questions that I wanna give to you for reflection time because we really want you to want to learn this secret. And if I just tell you the secret, you're not gonna learn it because you have to recognize how much damage discontentment is doing to you first so that you'll be motivated to learn the secret for yourself and own the secret for yourself. So I want you to be honest with yourself. Everybody make sure you pull out something to write on. Get a pen so you can be writing because I'm gonna give you seven questions that I want you to reflect on this week so that you can begin to understand what discontentment is doing in your life Okay, what comparison is doing in your life. Here is question number one. Where are you looking to measure if you're okay? Where are you looking to measure if you're okay? Because everybody looks somewhere to measure, to figure out how they're doing. Where are you looking? Are you looking at Jesus? Are you looking at people around you? Are you looking around the, over the fence and at your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friends, your spouse, your kids, your boss, your coworkers, your in-laws? Like, who are you looking to? to measure if you're doing okay? Are you looking at the size of your paycheck, your net worth, the size of your house? I mean, the kind of car that you drive, the kind of clothes that you wear? Are you looking at your grades, how many likes you have on social media? Like, what are you looking at to measure if you are doing okay? That's the first question. Second question, are you exhausted from trying to keep up with and you fill in that blank? Are you exhausted from trying to keep up with? Like, is your awareness of what somebody else has, is it kind of wearing you out? Are you constantly discontent so that you're trying to keep up because you're trying to keep up with a certain individual or a group of people? See, the truth is, and let me just go and establish this right now, trying to catch up with them won't fix your problem. It won't satisfy you because the moment you catch up, you're gonna spot somebody else that's ahead of them and you're gonna want even more. And you'll just switch the names or the group of people in this blank so you just need to admit, hey, I'm trying to keep up with this group of people and I'm absolutely exhausted. Question number three, are you financially stressed from trying to keep up with? And again, fill in the blank. And I know many of us, we think, well, we're broke because our work doesn't pay us enough or we had some bad breaks or we had these unexpected expenses and the car broke down and somebody was sick. I mean, your list could go on and on, but maybe your financial stress and your financial strain and all your financial problems are really just driven by envy and greed, which is always driven by comparison. Or how about this one? Question four, are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Like you loved your little one-bedroom apartment until you went over and saw their three-bedroom, two-bath house. And now you're dissatisfied with your nice little cozy place. Or you like loved your kitchen until they invited you over for dinner one night and you saw these new granite countertops and this six-burner gas stove that has this amazing grill in, inside. You don't even have to grill outside anymore. And then there's this little fancy little pot-filling hose kind of thing that you can fill everything up, you know. Or you love those latest and greatest shoes until you saw the next latest and greatest shoes, you know? Or you loved your car until you saw their car or you were good, you know, with your rifle until you saw his rifle and scope, you know? Like, like we, we get it, right? How about this question number five? Are you allowing what you don't have to keep you from enjoying what you do have? Or are you so focused on missing 
what you don't have, that you can't enjoy what you, are, you have really. I mean, like, here's the thing. If this is you, you're never going to be grateful. You're never going to be content. You're never going to be at peace because it's just not enough. In other words, here's what will happen if this is you. You will never enjoy any stage of your life. In other words, you, you will be, let's say you're at this stage and you wish you were in a relationship. And then all of a sudden you get in a relationship and then you're like, oh, I just wish he would ask me to marry him. Or I wish he would be, you know, willing to get married to me, you know. So then you want to be married. And then you want in that joy in that stage because like once you decide, okay, we're going to get married. Then once you're married, you're, okay, man, if we just had kids and we'd just be so happy. And then you get kids and you know what, you're either going, oh, they grew up so fast. I can't believe they grew up so fast. Or you're thinking, oh my goodness, I just wish they, you know, they would be older and get out of the house. You know, that kind of thing. You know, you just never can enjoy when you're always comparing. Question number six, parents, do you enjoy your children? Or are you driving them to keep up with other kids? You know what I mean on this. I mean, your kids just can't play a sport for a few months. You make them play year round. They just can't know. You can't just have one school. We're not just going to have average kid. You know, we want to be above average. I got to play all because that's what all the other kids do. And we can use the same example, exactly extract the same example from music or academics. Like you just pick the thing that matters most to you and your family. But just think about it. Most of the time it's just more, more, more. Push, push, push. Think about it that way. Maybe your focus really isn't what's best for your kids. Maybe it's just more about what makes you look good as a parent because you're just trying to keep up with some other parents. Question number seven. Has comparing your spouse or significant other made them feel like you're dissatisfied with them? See, whenever we're dissatisfied, this is what it does. It's like, why can't you be more like him as a husband? Or why can't you be more like her as a spouse? Or, you know... Why can't you be more like such and such a person? See, here's the thing. Whenever we do this comparison thing with a person that we're dating, person we're engaged to, person we're married to, we try to convince ourselves, we're just trying to help them grow. But really and truly, it's all about you. And what you're doing by comparing, saying, why can't you be more like them? Like you're undermining your own relationship through the comparison thing. And here's the thing. You cannot genuinely love someone who you have put in the comparison crosshairs because you have a fantasy, not a reality. And you're holding your spouse to a fantasy in your mind of this state of perfection that they never can be because they're a human being. So some of you are destroying your marriage and you're blaming your spouse because you got them in the comparison crosshairs. Now, here's where we're gonna close out because I've offended enough of you for today. We'll come back next week and do more. You can't always be happy if you're always looking for more. If you're looking for something from this world to be the solid foundation for your life, you will not be happy in this life. Jesus Christ is the only solid foundation. And we're gonna see that over these next few weeks. See, you really can't even care for other people. You can't serve others if you're always measuring your life against theirs. See, you can't be at peace with what you have if you're always looking at what somebody else has and you're always looking for another solid foundation. You need... And I need to learn the secret of what the Apostle Paul said of how to be content. It's the only way to stop peering over the fence. So come back next week and we're to begin learning this secret together. But just remember this as we get started. Evaluate what you're doing yourself and what discontentment's doing to you. And then next week, come back passionate to learn the secret of being content.
just like the Apostle Paul said, is available to you through Christ who gives you strength. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity just to go on a journey together, to learn together, to grow together, help each other together as we um, learn this secret of building our life truly on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So that no matter what our circumstance, we can say as the Apostle Paul, I have learned, no matter my circumstance, to be content, whether in need or with plenty. God, I pray that you help us to lean into you and focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks everyone for being with us. We'll see you next week.